0: hi again everybody ron shara here with you for another minnesota bound podcast the stories behind the stories and this story i'm going to bring you today is uh one i'm really uh interested in and because i'm a wild turkey hunting nut have been for longer than i can remember and uh with me today is a guy who's also a wild turkey honey nut, a nut, Tom Glines, who's the National Wild Turkey Federation Director of Development, it's a big title, Tom, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Iowa. So, Tom, welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me on, Ron. And don't forget, I got back the Dakotas, North and South South Dakota are part of my region now also.
0: Oh, Wow. Well, listen, the reason we're talking today, Tom and I, is because uh, this is roughly the 50th anniversary of the successful reintroduction of the wild turkey in Minnesota, and there was a big wing ding uh, over that uh, not too long ago in Caledonia, Minnesota, and uh, nobody knows this history better than you, Tom, but this is a... In a nutshell, the restoration of the wild turkey in Minnesota is probably one of the state's most significant conservation achievements. Would you agree?
1: I totally agree. I mean, you've lived it. I've lived it. It began with those initial 29 turkeys to Houston County in the winter of 1971. I know from 29
0: to thousands. now. I just, I was just talking to a guy from Roseau, Minnesota. Uh, he was telling me about all the hand turkeys and their broods he's seeing up there. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing, uh, story really.
1: Well, those 29 turkeys, uh, they multiplied in Houston County. And I, I asked Gary Nelson, who is the, one of the lead turkey trappers. I said, Gary, how long did it take from 1971, when did you start capturing those bird and exporting them to other parts of the state? And he said, 1976 or 1977, we started the trap and transplant program, and we started sending those turkeys out of Houston County to over 200 locations. We translocated over 5,200 turkeys, and some of them went to (laughs) rozo. Yeah.
0: Well, just for folks that don't understand what trap and transplant is, um, those 29 turkeys started reproducing and as they did, uh, uh, DNR and help and money from the national wild turkey federation chapter in Minnesota, um, uh, started trapping some of these and, and, uh, moving them around to other suitable habitat. And so that went on for, for years. And that's why turkeys are maybe not everywhere, but almost everywhere in Minnesota, And uh, Tom, uh, I mentioned the national wild turkey federation. Uh, uh, that's basically like a ducks, unlimited chapters only for turkeys. I- explain what the NWTF is in Minnesota.
1: Well, as you alluded to the main focus of the NWTF is the wild turkey. Our mission statement says the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage. So we have a twofold mission, but we have chapters throughout the state that raise important critical funds for habitat work, habitat restoration, but we also have a very robust outreach program for women, wheeling, and kids. Wheeling, I mean uh, handicapped people. And, uh, we, we have a lot going on in the state.
0: Um, well, indeed. And how many chapters and members are there in Minnesota?
1: There are just shy of 7,000 members and 65 chapters. So, um, in those, and I'll, I'll throw this back on you, Ron, is we, I talked about South Dakota being part of my region and those fabled black Hills and, uh, I thank you. I, I want to publicly thank you for falling in love with the turkey in the Black Hills and saying, we need to do something in Minnesota. And uh, we talked about the trap and transplant program, which those early chapters that you were involved with in Minnesota, they paid the salaries and the expenses for the turkey trappers directly. There, in the early days, there was no Minnesota DNR money at all.
0: Well, thank you for that, and you're right. Uh, I remember I got addicted to the turkey when I worked for South Dakota Game and Fish Department, and uh, I no sooner hunted the wild turkey in the Black Hills when I got a job offer from South, uh, Minnesota, or uh, Minneapolis Tribune, left South Dakota, but never forgot my me- meeting with wild turkey. Kept going back every spring, and uh, then a few Minnesota friends came, and they got addicted to the bird in the Black Hills. And we all came back to Minnesota and said, we need more birds in Minnesota, which we had very few of. And uh, I remember I remember going to the office of the wildlife chief. His name was Roger Holmes. He's no longer with us, but he was a wonderful guy. And I said, Roger, we need more turkeys in Minnesota. And I'll never forget what he said. He says, I don't have any more money in my budget for turkeys if you want more turkeys, you got to raise the money yourself. I said, okay, we will. <laughs> as bold as I was. And we formed uh, the first chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation. One evening in uh, Bob Naibo's Cafe in Red Wing, there were a bunch of folks there, uh, almost all of them who had shared the experience of turkeys with me in the Black Hills. And we became the basis of the first chapter and started raising the money. And then um, you and others came along and added more chapters, more chapters, more members, more members, and, and uh, the turkey federation became a big force uh, in Minnesota. Uh, Tom, I'm going to take a quick break here. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about why the wild turkey is such an addictive creature in our Minnesota woods. We'll be right back after this. I'm talking to Tom Glines with the National Wild Turkey Federation. Stay with us. It's summer season, which means thunderstorms can roll on in. Are you prepared for a power outage at your home or business? The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. Also, the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will reduce the size and cost of the generator. Imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. Reliable, affordable, safe. Propane, the energy for everyone. To find out more about generators and propane appliances, go to propane.com.
2: Also, it's time for Connecticut. You know, our Minnesota cabin life is in full swing. In fact, we're just back from four days up north. Such a joy now that we have Connecticut water in the woods. Last year, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut water at the cabin, and oh boy, what a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But really, after a painless four-hour installation, we have Kinetico soft water and also Kinetico's K-5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make early morning coffee. Great drinking water right out of the K-5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny. And Kinetico water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient worry-free water system. Visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you and join the Kinetico family. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Propane, it's clean, efficient fuel produced right here in the United States. Schedule your propane service with a friend. Lakes Gas, a family-owned provider serving the upper Midwest for more than 60 years. 54 convenient locations in Minnesota and Wisconsin, now with offices in North Dakota and South Dakota, too. Lakes Gas employees live in the communities they serve, so you can expect personalized service from professionals. Oh, and the Lakes Gas offers competitive pricing without all the extras that tend to drive up fuel prices. Safe, dependable service. Lakes Gas the right choice for your home, business, or farm. Visit lakesgas.com and join the family.
0: All right, welcome back to this edition of the Minnesota Bound Podcast, Story Behind the Stories. I'm honored today to have as my guest Tom Glines. He's a Minnesota wild turkey honey nut, as I am, but he also... Lives, lives the the dream, so to speak. He is with the National Wild Turkey Federation as Director of Development for Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and I've just learned the Dakota. So, Tom, welcome back. Uh, you've been addicted. Tell me, what. Well, let me tell you, how did you get addicted to wild turkeys?
1: Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny you ask that. Uh, I was just thinking back on my first turkey that I ever harvested in Minnesota in 1985 and uh <laughs> you talk about uh bob nibo and Red Wing. well my my father-in-law invited me to go turkey hunting back in 85 and he said my attorney has got a piece of land by Red Wing, uh that has turkeys on it let's go well for some reason we we goofed up on our application but we went scouting in the winter. We borrowed snowshoes to go find turkeys and uh, went scouting and didn't, back in 85, didn't have a clue how to hunt turkeys. While we got back home, found out we scouted the wrong area. <laughs> so <laughs> our our permits were actually for south of Rochester. <laughs> and so, so you I were had long go, ways off, <laughs> long ways off. True, true story though. But I uh drove down and scouted by myself, and there's a little piece of state land down there called Fugle's Mill. And somewhere along it, probably in the 18th century, there was some kind of grist mill on that stream to grind flour or something. But I, I, I. Knew nothing about the turkey, so I was sitting there trying to make turkey sounds with. I had a uh, diaphragm, and boy, that first year I really was not good on a diaphragm. But I had this little uh Penswood sweet talker, which was a wooden call with a slate or a little piece of aluminum in the middle. And uh, so I was sitting there at daybreak. Well, I probably wasn't even out there at daybreak because Ron, as you know. Most all good gobblers will gobble before they fly down from roost. Well, I think I slept in a little bit. And so I walked out in the woods and didn't hear a sound, didn't, didn't hear anything. So I'm going through my calls and I thought, okay, this one, this one does to me, I think sounds like a turkey. So I called and it might've been about eight o'clock in the morning. I made the call and a turkey gobbled and I thought what do i my if anybody went with me my eyes were as big as pancakes and it's like (laughs) now what do i do so i called again and it gobbled again and it from that moment forward i was destined to be a fanatic turkey hunter because i believed i was talking turkey So you probably can relate to that to some degree, but that was 1985. Actually, it turned, and I'm sitting there, and my back's to this crick because what I read is turkeys don't cross cricks, And I thought, oh, darn. And all of a sudden, off to my left, and I know it was to my left, because I have this image in my mind. Here comes his head and the beard. Well, not much of a beard. Is it Jake? Uh, my first bird was a Jake, and I was proud as a peacock, and I got it mounted. I don't know how many people mount Jakes, but I mounted that Jake. So. <laughs> For folks that don't know, a
0: Jake is a young Tom turkey in his first springtime. <laughs> so, well, you know, that. Uh, I'm laughing at your story because that's classic turkey addiction right there to be able to talk to a critter. And, uh, now it doesn't always go like that. As you well know, sometimes you can call to your blue in the face and don't hear anything. Um, or you can call and screw up and the turkey says, that's too loud. That's wrong. I'm leaving. I mean, all kinds of things can go on. You know, sometimes I can call in owls. Um, I've, I've called in, uh, many owls. I've called in coyotes. Um, so you never know when you're sounding like a turkey. So, um, uh, appreciate your, we share that addiction, Tom.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's what fueled my fire. You know, Ron, in 1994, when I got hired by the NWTF, I was excited. It's like, and I remember talking to a lot of people, I said, this is exciting. And I had people say, Tom, don't brag about turkey hunting too much. It, you know, It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, they said keep it a secret, Tom. <laughs> because yes. back in nineteen ninety-four, there were only five thousand permits. Five thousand for for the entire turkey range that we had at that time. And there were about twenty thousand people <laughs> annually applying for tags. If you drew a tag, it might be once every four years. So it's and, and I just said I'm going to do everything in my power to help lead the charge to keep pushing this bigger and better. And shoot, uh, I got hired in '94, and I think '95, the Minnesota DNR came to me again and said, "We don't have funding for the trap and transplant program. We're going to quit it. We're going to stop." And I thought. You can't stop. We there's more suitable habitat in the state. We got to keep going. So I had a couple of legislator friends, uh, both from Minoka County, where I live, where you live, uh, Tom Hackbarth and uh, Senator Gene Merriam. They wrote the legislation for the dedicated account for wild turkey management that we kept going with the trap and transplant program until two thousand nine. So.
0: There you go. That's the, some of the critical history that um, if you read DNR's rendition of turkey history in Minnesota, you, you will not read any of that. And, um, uh, but we all, we know anyway, and now it's on a podcast. And just for folks that are wondering what the heck turkey hunting is about, it's, it's a, actually an X-rated sport. <laughs> 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 it happens in the springtime. Tom mentioned the diaphragm. That's a diaphragm mouth call he's talking about, or a little slate bo- slate call box. Well, there's several different calls that imitate the sounds of a hen turkey. Now this is their mating season in April, May, et cetera. So the hens chirp, and the gobbler hears that, and he gobbles, say, "Hey, lady, I'm over here, let's get it on." And so that's that that's why it's like an x-rated sport. and uh, but the turkeys, the way they have it figured out, the hen's supposed to go into him. He doesn't come to the hen, and so you're trying to reverse that. So it's it's very fascinating. Tom, I'm going to take another little break here, but uh, when we come back, you mentioned earlier, I want you to think about this, you mentioned uh, NWTF and works on turkey habitat. Uh, a lot of folks are wondering, what is turkey habitat? And we're going to talk about that when we return. Stay with us out there, Turkey Talk is coming on again. Ron Shera here with a question. Have you ever heard of an economic first responder? That's an economic first responder. Well, it's real. Think of Star Bank. Star Bank is saving local businesses as an economic first responder in the Twin Cities, the West Metro and rural Minnesota. Star Bank has been helping small businesses keep their lights on, pay their rent, pay their employees for months now. In fact, Star Bank has helped 629 local businesses during this pandemic. And they've been keeping small businesses on Minnesota's main streets as well. Keeping small businesses alive, economic first responders indeed. You know, Star Bank is our local hero during this pandemic Find StarBank at StarBank.net on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Bank locally with StarBank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. That's my choice, StarBank. Ron Shera
2: here. We also want to thank North Dakota tourism. You know, North Dakota is one of my favorite all-time hunting destinations. I can't believe it. It's the middle of summer, and it's already time to start planning fall hunts in North Dakota. I have a few facts for you on the state's current hunting conditions. Get this, 2023 is one of the wettest springs on record, which means an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks. That number is up from last year. Also, the 2023 spring pheasant crowing count survey is up 30% from last year. You add to that North Dakota's PLOTS program, you know, 800,000 acres of private land that is open to public walk-in hunting, and you have the perfect spot just waiting for your perfect fall hunt. Make memories and hunt North Dakota. Plan your adventure just like I do at hellond.com.
0: Ready for a women forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Welcome back to the final edition here of uh, Minnesota Bound Podcast, the story behind the stories. My special guest today, uh, Tom Glines, who is the uh, Director of Development for Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and the Dakotas for the National Wild Turkey Federation. And, of course, we're talking about one of my favorite topics um, the Love Affair with Wild Turkeys, and Tom has that as well. Uh, Tom, uh, we talked earlier that one of the goals or missions of the Turkey Federation is uh, 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 maintaining good habitat for turkeys in Minnesota. Um, in your estimation, what what do turkeys need for habitat? Is there a kind of a general description?
1: Well, basically, turkeys need a roost tree, uh, can be white pine, for wintertime roosting because they found out there's some uh, energy conservation in those those white pines. But turkeys a lot of times roost in mature oak trees. Um, They need a mixture of brood rearing habitat, which is grasslands, Uh, and wild turkeys use alfalfa a lot too. So um, I tell you what, we're gonna have, we're probably going to have a very good spring hatch this year with the fact that it was warm and dry, those poults in the spring when they're freshly hatched, uh, they don't have a lot of protection from cold rain and they get hypothermia and they pass away. But uh, when it's warm and dry, one of the things we have is insects. So they need fields where they can get out there and bug and uh, be a little bit protected from avian predators. avian predators love little wild turkey poles if they see them running around bugging. So we we work on uh grasslands and woodlands and uh the turkeys don't like thick uh infested with uh buckthorn or anything like that. So we've we've done a lot of buckthorn removal and a lot of WMAs around the state. So
0: well, very good. Uh, another, I guess I guess you could call this a mystery or puzzle, and that is when we first started moving turkeys around in Minnesota, the trap and transplant program you alluded to earlier, uh, the Department of Natural Resources said, well, there might be uh, turkeys might expand a little bit north of the Twin Cities in the St. Croix River Valley, maybe a little bit north in the Mississippi River Valley, maybe a little bit north, in the minnesota river valley but that's about it it won't maybe it won't go by st cloud well now like i just mentioned earlier a friend of mine from Roseau was telling me about all the turkeys he's seeing right up next to the canadian border uh, uh there's very in some cases very little uh agriculture up there because turkeys obviously make use of uh agriculture fields uh, uh you know corn pick corn fields blah 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 but um the, if you talk about up in Walker and Longville area where I see wild turkeys there are very little corn fields up there and then you have deep snow so the mystery is how do they survive can you talk about that time
1: well i i can tell you one thing about survival um back in the heyday, i worked very closely with a uh minnesota dnr biologist called richard or dr richard kimmel and uh, he worked out of the medelia office and they did research and they found turkeys can survive 40 below zero that's not wind chill that's actual temperature i think they might have put them in, <laughs> in deep freezes in medelia but uh I don't think that's necessarily cruelty to animals, but they found that the turkeys grow an extra layer of feathers that the southern uh, cousins don't. Uh, they also found turkeys to to survive those deeper snow and those longer. They can stay on roost up to two weeks before flying down to save to save energy um, and selecting a wintertime roost site being in white pines that I talked about earlier. So they have adapted, and I tell you what, it used to be the line of death, which kind of ran northwest along 94, that turkeys would never survive in an area where they had 12 inches of snow over 30 days. Well, the wild turkey has shown us that they can handle... Minnesota winners, and uh, yeah, maybe some of the winners get a little bad in certain areas, but uh there's they're survivors.
0: Yeah, there might be some winter mortality, but not enough to wipe them out. I guess, and that's more good news about the wild turkey. A couple of other things. Uh, the other day, I was talking to an audience up in uh, near Walker, Minnesota, and of course, when I do, I talk about my turkey addiction. I usually do a little. Turkey calling on a slate, and I take them through a morning of turkey uh, hunting uh, about their imagination, etc. And afterwards, this guy came up to me and he says, "Well, turkeys are an invasive species." I go, "Well, not really. I think they're they're native to Minnesota." He said "Well, they're not native up here, and they've been killing our rough grouse." I have been hearing that story forever about uh, killing rough grouse, um, and I asked your uh, your CEO last week about that, and he he doesn't think there's any research that supports that. Have you heard anything?
1: Well, I do know that uh, some biologists will say possibly, but it, it it tends to have more to do with changing habitat. Um, and you know, you can look at the West where they don't have uh, fire to control the fuel load on the bottom of the forest. Well, similar, In Minnesota, a lot of people with their cabins all over, cabins and property all over the Northland, um, they don't do active forest management. And I know that rough grouse require the new buds and the new aspen growth and stuff like that. And as the forests have transitioned, uh, the forests have changed and it has become less grouse habitat than it was And it's matured where the forest actually benefits the wild turkey now.
0: Well, that's probably why they think the wild turkey has decimated the rough grouse. But I'll I'll say this, you know, I think turkeys have a huge, wide uh, appetite and a menu. And I think if they saw a frog hopping along, they'd probably try to grab it. Um, And if they saw a little baby uh, rough grouse, I'm guessing they might go after it. But that is so minimal in the whole scheme of things. Um, and as you just mentioned, the rough grouse probably has bigger issues than if a wild turkey uh, is uh, being the extensive predator, <laughs> which I, I, don't, I mean, eagle, turkeys have predators, too. So they all get along pretty good, I'd say. Wouldn't you?
1: Yes. And there's a lot of talk nowadays about nest traders. Um you know, you look at all the birds that nest on the ground, you got you got ducks, but but they're a little bit more in the cattail flues, and stuff. And maybe, I don't know, maybe the pheasants do nest out there too. But uh, ground nesting birds have so many predators. And, and Ron, I don't know if you've noticed, when I was growing up in Nook County, I never saw an opossum. We got opossums now. So opossums and your raccoons are they can wipe out 18 turkey pullets in one if they go in and raid a nest that's that's 18 turkey pullets gone
0: yeah that's true fortunately hen turkeys are pretty successful at hiding themselves so and i always tell people you know the turkeys and raccoons have lived together for dozens and dozens and dozens of years and uh, without uh, they both can kind of make it. Tom, before I say goodbye to you, um, if folks are interested in wild turkey, if they're interested in joining the NWTF, uh, maybe uh, donating their time or their money, how do they do that?
1: Well, certainly they can go to our, our webpage, www.nwtf.org. Uh, they can also follow us on Facebook at uh, nwtf dash. Minnesota. And uh, there's a lot of different links. And if you get a flyer for an upcoming banquet or hear about it in your community, please stop by and join us. Um, everybody is welcome to be a member of the NWTF. And we have a variety of ways. Or I'll even throw out my email address, at nwtf.net. Shoot me an email, and I'll get you connected.
0: Well, thank you, Tom. I think you guys are going to be at Game Fair coming up in August, aren't you? Yes, we are. Awesome. Probably over
1: over 20, 20, 25 years.
0: Yes. Well, I think that's about as much turkey talk as we can do this morning. (laughs) And uh, uh, Tom Glines, I want to thank you for being my guest. And I also want to especially thank our sponsors, uh, Connecticut, uh, my favorite water, Minnesota Propane. Star Bank, my favorite bank, the Minnesota Historical Society, Aquaside, Rudy Luther, Lakes Gas, and North Dakota Tourism. So until next week, Ron Shera here. Don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors.